0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. Amen. That was great. So, um, we are still talking about God's purpose in the family. And uh, we've been talking about this for a few months now my portion of this is God's covenant agents so we've been we've been we've been looking at this uh minister Martin kicked it off then we had minister Stinson come through minister Hill minister Eberhard came through and we all looked at they all looked at different portions of God's purpose in the family so I'm coming up and what I want to um remind everyone is that even though This is different teachers, and we focus on different things. This is all one message. It all ties together. So if there are things that you're missing from way back, was it in June, I believe we started this. If there are things that you're missing, you may need to go back and listen to those things because it all ties in to what's being taught. It's going to continue to tie in for what we're going to be teaching for a very long time. So go back and get those things and remember... What like what I'm teaching goes right, it it fits right in with what Minister Everhart was teaching. Like last week, it was almost a perfect transition to what I'm going to be talking about. So keep that in mind because I'm going to be saying things that I'm I'm saying them building on what's been already been taught. Okay, so if you don't necessarily catch it, maybe it's something that you need to go back and, and, and maybe. Do a little review on. I know I had to do it when I was studying. I had to go back and review and say make sure, you know, make sure it lines up, and that's fine to do. So make sure you you do that. But first, let's go over to um, Genesis chapter one. Just once again, we're gonna put you put your mind in the right place. We're gonna get our mind in the right place because we're talking about God's purpose of the family, what God intended for the family. So, verse uh, Genesis one, we're gonna read just verses twenty six through twenty eight. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So I wanted to read this because you have to realize that God has a intended purpose or position for the family. When God created the family, when he created Adam and Eve, he didn't just say, Oh, I'm just going to make something, and it's going to be cute. And I'm just going to sit it up on the shelf, and it's just going to be pretty. It's going to be cute, or it's going to be whatever he wanted to be. He had a purpose. There was something that he set out for Adam and Eve to do. And if you notice, he created the, he, he created them, and then he gave them purpose. God is a purposeful God. So what he did was when he made Adam and Eve, when he made man, he said, this is now your purpose. So to get to that purpose, he blessed them. You'll notice that. He said he blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply. The thing about it is when God gives us purpose, he gives us what we need to accomplish that purpose. That's the blessing. Everything that we need to accomplish the purpose that God has in our life, he gave us, he's given it to us. So we're talking about God's purpose in the family, but you have to realize that the family is made up of individuals. So every individual in the family has a purpose. And God has given you what you need to create to do that purpose. So, this is kind of review. Every believing family has a call from God to produce spiritually and emotionally established believers who in turn get, get God's redemptive work done in the earth. That's your purpose. There are a lot of things that we've been distracted by as believers saying it's our purpose and we'll even wrap it around things and say that it's a godly purpose, but it's not God's purpose. God's purpose to produce spiritually and emotionally established believers who in turn get God's redemptive work done in the earth. If what you're saying your purpose is does not in line itself directly up with that, if you got to do all these indirect lines to it, like I'm over here, you know, this is why I say this. A lot of people will say, my purpose is to entertain people. That's what God put me on this earth to do, entertain people. Okay, let's say that. How does that directly... Uh, Correspond to God's redemptive work in the earth can you be redeemed without entertainment amen so is that God's purpose no it may be something you're good at and I'm not saying you can't do it but you have to realize that God has a purpose for us God has a purpose for us and what we do has to line up with God's purpose now there may be other things in our lives that we do but if those things pull us away from God's purpose they're not what God has called us to do The purpose of the family, and we've gone over these, to reflect the image of God, to conduct the government of God, to produce and raise a godly seed. And for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about to show God's love as his covenant agents. So you notice that it's four things that we have as the purpose of the family. God, once again, God is a purposeful God. There are things, the things that he has for you to do, it's not going to be just like go over here and check one box. It's all wrapped up and it's tied up together. So as we reach our purpose, as we reflect the image of God, as we conduct the government of God, as we produce and raise a godly seed, we'll show God's love as his covenant agents. God's not asking you to do different disparate things. He's not telling you to be, um, let's see, be a circle and be a square. You know, he's not giving you different things to do. Everything that God has for you to do lines up. And like I said earlier, everything that God has given you to do, he's given you the, the means and the tools to get those things done. So my objective in this teaching is to explain how the family should be representatives of God's love in the earth and those who act on his behalf. So that's what we should do. We should be representative of God's love in the earth and those who act on his behalf. So we should show God's love as his covenant agents. That's what that is. In this teaching, throughout the next few weeks, I'm going to explain what a covenant agent is. Then we're going to look at what God's love is, and that's what we're going to try to get through today. Then we're going to explain what God's love produces in the family. Then we're going to look at how, this, um, how does the products of godly love affect those outside the family. Because the thing about it is when we look at, um, when, we, when we looked at, when Minister uh, Eberhardt looked at producing and raising a godly seed, we were talking about what's produced in the family. But when you produce something, anything that's a product is going to have, should have an effect, not only internally, but externally. So my section of the teaching is talking about, as believers, when we have that godly seed, when we raise that godly seed, when we are that godly seed ourselves, and that's been produced What is going to happen? What should other people see? What should we even see inside our families? Go over to Galatians chapter 5. So Galatians chapter 5... we're just going to read right now verses twenty two through twenty five. We're going to come back to this later on in the teaching, but for this right now we're just going to read twenty two through twenty-five. Verse twenty-two says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ are crucified excuse me, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So, you can see here in verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. So, the godly seed that's in you, that's in us, should produce fruit. And that fruit, it tells us there in verses 22 and 23. That's the fruit that we should have. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The family should show God's love as His covenant agents. So, the results of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you should be evident in your action, in your lifestyle. What you do should produce something that is of God's love. I was, As I was studying this out, if you look in that other uh, up a little bit, and I believe uh, Minister Hill talked about these, the works of the flesh. Now works, when you think of works, there's an effort to it. But when you think of fruit, it is just what it is. So when you think of the seed, you think of the seed, you put the seed in the ground, the seed is going to do what it does. It's going to produce fruit. So when the seed of God, the Holy Spirit is in your heart, it can only produce love. The only reason it doesn't produce that is you don't cultivate the seed or you don't have the seed. So if you look at the works of the flesh, those are things that are just coming out. You're pushing those out. But the seed, just think about it. That's a natural thing. That is natural. Sow and reap. So as you have the Holy Spirit in your heart... As you are born again, you have the seed of God. And that seed should produce the love of God. So you should have the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Those things should be because you have the fruit of the Spirit, because you have that seed in you. God's purpose for the family is not for us to live by the world's standard, but His standard. So we can see that His standard here is love. He's not doing all these other things that we talk, we call love or the world calls love. And we're going to talk about the difference between God's love and the world's love. But what, we should, what should be seen in us should be this love that we see here in Galatians chapter two, uh, 5. So um, go over to 2 Corinthians chapter um, 5. So we should be God's covenant agents showing his love to other showing his love to the world, so what exactly is a covenant agent? so I was thinking about this, and I was as I look at this like, so what is a covenant agent? What does that mean to be what if I'm that, then what does that mean, and then what is the love that we're showing? what is this love that we're showing people and then I thought about, well, how do I get to becoming a, a covenant agent How did I get this? How did I get this title say say that or how did I get this duty? Let's go over to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is what I told you guys, right? We're going to read verses 14 through 21. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then were all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us we pray you in Christ said be ye reconciled to God for he hath made for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin That we may be that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So before I get into explaining some of these things, I want to read this in a different translation. It's the message translation. And this is 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 5, verses 14 through 21. It starts off and says, Our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could be included in his life. A resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what we, by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside. And what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. It's created new. The old life is gone. A new life burgeons. Look at it. All this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and him. And then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah. Giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking of Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already friends, with, uh, a friend with you. How, you ask? In Christ. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. You know, I could almost believe right now. That, that, just, that, just, that just tells you exactly what it is. It tells you exactly what it is. We were people who were against God. And it's through Christ. It's through God's love. You know, we were against God. You know, you think about it now, and, and you don't play with me when you think about it. You know there's some people you don't like and you've been against. You may not be now, but there have been times in, in your life where you've been against people. Or people have been against you. And they wouldn't do anything for you. They wouldn't even hold a door open for you. But we were against God. But you know it's his love. It's his love that sent Christ and reconciled us back, brought us back to it. The the, the the, the scripture said it brought us square with God. We don't owe. You know, he said the debt has been paid. That's what God did for us through Christ. So since he did that, he said, well, now I need you to do something. I need you to show other people what I've done for you through your lifestyle." So the same reconciliation that you have, they can be reconciled. So what we have to realize is that's that's, that's that covenant agent. So what is a covenant? A covenant is an agreement between two parties. So if you look at verses uh, 17 through 18, and I'll read this back in the King James Version. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new and all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and have given us the ministry of reconciliation. So we can see now old things are passed away so we have that agreement with God. That's it. We have that covenant with God. The covenant it's not by our merit. It's a covenant of grace. Remember we didn't we didn't do anything to get this. What we remember we owed the debt we owed was Death. We were going to have to pay through death. So it wasn't any work that we can do, but it's by His grace that He sent Christ to live for us, to, to die for us so we could live again. So we're in covenant with God, and this covenant is of grace and not merit. So what is an agent if you look at verse 20? Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you, in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. So, an agent. An agent is a person who acts on behalf of another person or group, a representative, an ambassador. So, an agent is a person who acts on behalf of another person or group. It's a representative. It's an ambassador. So, as God's covenant agents, what are we? Who are we as God's covenant agents? So, God's covenant agents are those who've entered into an agreement with God that is based on his grace not their merit and act solely on his behalf not seeking their own will so once again god's covenant agents are those who have entered into an agreement with god that is based on his grace not their merit and act solely on his behalf not seeking their own will so i was thinking of this word agent in um You know, when you're when you trying to figure out what you want to do in life, you go through all these different things. And at one point, I thought I wanted to be like a sports agent. And then I think I saw a movie, and I saw what those people do to the agents, and I said, I'm not doing that. Because let me tell you what it is. And, you know, these people, they represent, like let's say you represent a basketball player. And, and this person, you know, I just thought, oh, you know, you get them deals and you do all these things. But these people, they get in trouble in the middle of the night. They don't call their mothers. They don't call their wives. They don't call anybody. They call their agent to get them out of trouble. And you know what the agent does? A good agent, they jump up and get them out of trouble. They, the agent doesn't act on his behalf. He acts on behalf of those who he represents. So that's how we ought to be with Christ. We're his agents. So we act solely based on his will. So look at verses 14 through 15. I love, these, I love these scriptures. You know, you think about this verses. I'm just going to read it and then get into it. So verse 14 says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which, which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So it's the love of Christ that constrains us. You know, I'm thinking it's probably the love of money. The agent example I did, that's probably the love of money and power. But it's the love of Christ that constrains us. That's what keeps us doing His will and not our own will. That's the thing that keeps us, that has us crucify our flesh and die to self. And the love of Christ constrains us to God's purpose. So we should be controlled and compelled by His love. And once again, it's not anything of our own, but it's because we're following His example. This is the example that He left for us. You know, I say this sometimes in one of the numerous classes I teach. You, you know, what God, what Jesus did, He did for us. Jesus didn't need to be saved. He's God. So so why would He need to be saved? We needed to be saved. So when we see that, we see that self-sacrificing we see giving it all up for us. That's love. That's God's love. So because Christ could do that, He's not asking us to do anything that He hasn't done. We can look and say that's what Christ did so we can give ourselves for others. We can lay our lives down. Because Christ's self-sacrificing love, we can have the same type of love. Remember, it's the seed that's in us. He's, and that's the great thing about, about God. Not only did God give us an example... But then he said, okay, I'm going to put what you need inside of you. I'm going to tell you to do some things. Now, you're going to have to do some stuff. You have to work. But you just do what I tell you to do. You rest in me. I'll even tell you when to do it, how to do it, and I'll give you the power to do it. All you got to do is be obedient. I'm going to take care of the hard part. So that's what God does. That's what God does. And then we can show forth that fruit. We can show forth that self sacrificing love. I think about this and I look back and the things that we were studying during the fast and one of the things was to enter into his rest. And you know, when you look at this, if you look at self sacrificing love and you don't have God in your heart and he's not in there and you're trying to do things, your works, you're putting your hands to it, you can't do this. You can't do this. It's only by the Holy Spirit that you're going to have this. That's, That's the rest that he's given us. He's saying, take a step back Take your hands off of it. Listen to me. I've put my spirit in you. I'm leading. I'm guiding you by my spirit. So everything that you need to do, as long as you don't jump in there and try to mess it up. It's like making, you know, I like to bake. So when you bake, baking is different from cooking. When you bake, you need to, you can can kind of fool around with some things, but you better put what they tell you to put in there. If they tell you to put self-rising flour in there and you put some cake flour in there, you're going to get a mess. If you put you decide well I know some people who did this. If you decide you want to put confectioner sugar in them in the recipe instead of regular sugar and granulated sugar, you're not gonna get what you're supposed to get. And that's what God is telling you. I'm giving you the recipe. And you know what's so great about God? He even gives you the ingredients. He doesn't let you go to H T B and get them. He gives you the ingredients. Now you gotta read the recipe. You gotta make sure everything is in place and you have to do everything, but then he produces everything you need just through that. So that's what we can do. But when we try to handle this on our own, we can't do it. That's the rest of God. That's what I was getting at. The rest of God is saying, God, I'm going to step back. You gave me the recipe. You gave me the ingredients. I'm going to do exactly what you said do. I'm not going to try to do this my own way. That's when we get tired. You know, we get tired when we try to do things on our in our own way because we don't know the answer. And God's already given us the answer through Jesus. So... We have to remember that we have the example of God's love. And he's given us the power. He's given us the the way to do this. It's because of Christ's love that we're converted. And now, by his love, we should be compelled to live a selfless life committed to God's purpose. So, when when you think about it, all that God has done for you. And you can just think about what God has done for you. You don't have to think about what God has done for anyone else. But then you can remember that... God is not a respected person. So the same love that he's shown you, the same self-sacrifice, giving it all, putting it all on the line for you, guess what? He wants to put it on the line for everybody. And you know what? You're going to be his agent. You're going to be his representative so that other people will know that. And so, so I keep saying you, but remember earlier in the teaching, I said individuals make up the family. And as we get through the family, we're going to start, as we get through the teaching, we're going to start bringing in that family. But right now, remember, this is God's love. The family can't be an agent to show God's love if the individuals aren't agents to show God's love. So God has reconciled us to himself through Christ. Now, it's our responsibility, it's our service, it's our ministry to reconcile others to him. By our examples, we should bring others to him. So many times, you know, I look at... You know, you, you watch what's going on in the world, and you watch those who are believers of the church, and you see these different things that are being done in and, and efforts, and we'll, we'll call it um, evangelistic efforts, we'll say, to get to reach the world, to get out there and reach the world. And you see that they are all so natural, that even if you, even the people who are doing them, they're not looking for what God wants to do. They're looking for good things. And they're not going in and they're not saying, what does God say do? Because the thing about it is, I was thinking about this. Um, Talking about fruit. You know, a lemon is only a lemon. It's never going to be anything. You can't make it anything else. But what a lemon does, you know, a lemon has a lot of of things that that are actually good for you. Some people say even in a lemon tree, if you plant it in, in the right spot, you can even plant them in your house, it helps cleanse the air. And you know what? It's just doing what it does. The lemon also has, um, I forget, it, it helps with your immune system. You can put it in water. You can bake with it. You can cook with it. It does all these things. The lemon is just the lemon. And the thing about it is, when you need what the lemon has, you go get the lemon. Because you see the lemon, and it has those properties, and you know that. As believers, we are the fruit of God. We are His love. We don't have to be everything else for other people. And that's what I meant about the evangelistic efforts. We try to do these good things to think people will look at us. All we have to be is what God has called us to be. I, w- I was talking to someone once and they were talking about, um, you know, they're, they're getting more involved in the ministry and they were saying, you know, now people are going to be looking at me because I'm doing these things in the ministry. And I said, they are. But this is what I always said people, it's fine for people to look at me because you know what? My eyes are on God. I'm trying to be what God has called me to be. And when I'm, what, when I'm being what God has called me to be, everybody else can see that. So as believers, we don't have to worry about being everything to the world. We just have to be what God has called us to be. We don't have to try so hard. We don't have to do all these other things. All we have to do is be what God has called us to be. And what, what the world needs, God will provide through us. We don't have to go out there and try to do it our own way. And that's our own work. That's, That's getting out of God's rest and getting into our own work. And that's not what we do. Go over to 1 John chapter 3. First John chapter 3, we're going to look at verse six, 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And that's the only verse I'm going to read there. Because as a family, as individuals in the family, we shouldn't seek to do our own thing. We should lay our lives down for the brethren. As family, we should be totally committed to accomplishing God's will on the earth. So that is that self-sacrificing love. That's the love that God gave us, and we can love the same way. God's love is not what the world calls love. God's love, we've talked about it, is self-sacrificing. The world's love is all about what you can get. You know, a lot of people will say, you know, well this person loves this person, and I believe. And you, you see things in the love that in the world, and they'll call it love, but really in the end, it's about either protecting themselves or getting something for themselves. That's what the world lo- world's love is. So we have to make sure that we know the difference between God's love and the world's love. If we follow after the world's love, we're never going to be able to be uh, show forth God's love because they're not the same. Go over to John chapter 1. So John chapter 1, we're going to read verses 12 through 13. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. So God's love once again is not based on this world standard. It's self-sacrificing. We can't confuse God's love with the world's love. God's not insecure. He wants everyone to be saved. But the thing about it is, he allows us to choose to be saved and to love him. Salvation is free in the grace of God and the finished work of Christ, but it has to be received. So that means it's there for anybody, but that person, every one of us, each and every one of us has to take that. God's not going to say, oh, uh, you don't want to be saved you just, want me to, you just want me to love you and you want to have this covenant relationship with me without doing it my way? Okay, that's fine. God's not going to change his standard. In the world, though, we will do that. The world will say that. I, you know, Here's the thing. You think about, we're talking about the family. You think about raising children. And, you know, you set a standard for your child. And you say, okay, my child cannot do this. And if they break this rule, this is what's going to happen. And they break that rule, and you say, well, you know, that's fine. They, I'm not going to punish them. I'm not going to do this. But that's not the standard. We compromise the standard. If you say be home at 10 o'clock, and you get there at 1030, and, and you say, here are the rules. 10 o'clock is when you're supposed to be home. You come in after 10 o'clock, then you're grounded for a month. Well, you know, that happens and the next week is like something that they want to do. some Their best friend's birthday party. Well, if they're grounded for a month, they're going to miss their best friend's birthday party. And we've been planning this all this time. And you change the standard. That's not the way God is. You know, sometimes as parents, you know, I, I don't have children. I have, I have nieces and nephews. I have friends. I have relationships. So it's almost the same thing, you know. You will change that standard because you want them to love you back. And that's not what God is doing. God's like, you, you're going to love, if you want to love me, here's how you love me. There it is. So you want to be in covenant with God? There it is. Here's the word. Here's, it's through Jesus Christ. Don't come in any other way. You know, you hear these things and that's what people say. Oh, there are many ways to Christ. There are many ways to God. No, there's not. That's, that's compromising the standard. That's not what God's love does. It doesn't compromise the standard. I know we'll say things like that, and you say, well, yeah, those are big things. Okay, not compromise the standard. You tell your child to bring a Bible to church, and they don't bring a Bible. What, there should be something that goes with that. You're, you tell your child, you, don't, you, know, you take notes in church, and they're falling asleep. That, that's compromising the standard. So how, if we compromise the standard, we're not, God doesn't compromise the standard. We don't compromise the standard. And understand, we're going to get balance in this. Next week we're going to talk about, you know, how God's love is. There's, there's, God's love not hard. So we're going to talk about that balance. So make sure you come back next week. Don't just take that little piece that I gave you and run off with it. There's balance in this. So God's not going to change the standard for us. Like I said, we have to understand God's love. It's not the world's love. What the world says love is is this warm fuzzy feeling that always makes me feel good that never says no all these different things flip over to uh Hebrews chapter 12 I was thinking about this and uh you know it's it's a I'm really not that old but I'm old enough to know that there was a time when it was okay for parents to tell their children no I got told no a whole lot I tell people this I tell people this here I tell people at work I don't mind hearing no Hey, I don't mind. Noah's never killed me. I'm still here. I, I, I don't really understand the problem of, of being told no. You know, I mean, nobody's ever told me no and threw something at me. And if they did, they missed because I don't remember it. God's love is different from the world's love. Because the world's love will tell you, oh, well, you know, they say, well, don't say no, it's so negative and this, this, and this. Okay, go to Hebrews chapter 12 we're gonna read verses 5 through 6. So it says, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as, cho- uh, excuse me, unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. So God's love, guess what? He doesn't allow us to live in sin. That's why he sent Jesus. But his love also corrects; it rebukes. And it restores. God's love sometimes says no. And that's the thing. In the world's love, you think about it. You, think, you know, you just see it with children. You can just go to the grocery store and you can tell that there's no correction in the home. The children are all over the place. The children telling the parents what they're going to buy. Doing everything that, that they don't do. And there's no correction. Even now, you can see it in adults who haven't been corrected. You can tell that there's been no correction. There's no correction. There's no love. The thing about it is God doesn't want us to go down the wrong path. He wants us to follow what's right. So guess what? We have to be corrected. We have to be pulled back. And as, as family, we have to be corrected. We have to, We have to know God's love. Sometimes, you know what? I was thinking about this during the fast. It was... You know, because God is just amazing. I was, um, I had this class, and I had not taken real lunch. I would just taken some snacks. So I was up at UT, and I walked up to one of the student centers, and I said, oh, you know, they're going to have something for me to eat. And I looked all around, and it was all this food. It was all this food. But about 90% of it, well, probably about 99% of it I could not have. I ended up finding one thing, one thing that I could eat. And that was it. God was saying, all these 90 other 99 things, I'm saying no to those. And that's, that's the way it is. No no is not bad. Sometimes no is, at that point, it was just no for right now. Because if I went back to that place, I could have all those things because I'm not fasting now. But sometimes no is like, no, that's not for you now. No, you, you're like, who was that was teaching? We don't give a two-year-old keys to the car because it's not for them now. And, but as believers, you know, I think about it and I look at how fast we let our children grow up. We give them Everything. We give them all these different things so early, so early. I'm like, I look at this and I'm like, why, why, why is a 10 year old even worried, a 10 year old girl even worried about makeup? Why, you know, I think about when I was 10 and I was a little bit of a tomboy, so it's a little different. But all these things, the way we let them dress, the things that we let them do, and we say, well, that's okay. You know, they're just, they're just doing what their friends do. But are their friends covenant agents to show God's love? No, as the parents, you have to say no. You have to correct. You can't sit there and think that you can do what the world can do and have what God says to have. You cannot mix the seed. What was it? What uh, Minister Eberhard talked about it last week. What are you plowing with? What are you plowing with, a donkey or a mule? What, what was it? A donkey or an oxen? You can't mix that and think you're going to get what God called us to do. So you can't go around thinking that you're just going to be some pushover of a parent or push over even as a husband. You know, sometimes as a husband, you're gonna to have to say no to your wife. You're gonna to have to say, No, this not not right now. No, this is not how we're gonna run this. This is not the way God has told me to uh lead this family. There has to be correction. There has to be even as a ministry, there are things that we're gonna do and they're gonna be like, No, you can't do that. But you know what? Go back No's never gonna kill you. You know what no means? Maybe mean let me go back and find another way to do this that is in the correct way. Let me go, like I, like back back to that example I was giving you about finding something to eat. I still found something to eat. It wasn't like I could not eat. I was not sitting there thinking, oh, I can't eat anything. I wasn't pulling up grass out of the ground. I found something to eat. It may not have been my first choice. It may not have been the thing that popped out of my head, but there was something for me. And it was beneficial for me. So sometimes we have to realize God is going to correct us. God is going to tell us no. He's going to reprove us. He's going to rebuke us. But it's all to restore us. So we have to remember that this is not, God's love is not the world's love. It's a self-sacrificing love. Because you know what? Sometimes when you tell people no, it is not the easiest thing to do. It is not the easiest thing. It's not the easiest thing to correct people. And I'm sure as parents, you have to correct your children. It's not the easiest thing for you to do. But you've got to sacrifice your feelings. You've got to sacrifice your children being mad at you. You've got to take that and say, you know what, this is for the purpose of God. So, so that's the way God loves. He's not worried about that you don't like the Word. He don't come in and say, oh, you know, did sister still get offended at that teaching? Did I, did, did I send my Word and say something she didn't like? Did she not want to hear that? He's not sitting there thinking about that. He's like, let me tell you, I'm telling you what you need because later on, if you don't accept this, you're gonna be in a mess, and you're gonna come back crying to me. And then I'm, I'm, this is how God deals with me. He reminds me of the word I rejected, and says, and I say, oh, okay, God. But now, had I been right, like I was supposed to, and just accepted the correction. It would have been right there for me when I needed it. So that's how we have to be in our families. We can't take down because of this world standard. And let me tell you, this world puts pressure on you to conform. It puts pressure on you to conform. I see it. It puts pressure on parents to let their children do things that are outside of the will of God. It puts pressure on parents. I I, I pray for you parents. I don't know how you do it. It puts pressure on you to give your child a cell phone at the age of 10. You need a cell phone at 10 years old. Get a book. It, it puts pressure on you to buy your children different clothes, to give them all these different freedoms, and do all these different things that you know aren't godly. You know they're not godly. Let me. It, it's just certain things you, you know. Look. Look here. If you are a man, don't wear skinny jeans. Okay? That's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. If you are a 13-year-old girl, what are you doing with a miniskirt on? What are you doing with all your stuff out? But what happens is you go into a store, and wh- this is what they do now. is they, 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 The world says drop your children off. Actually, they don't even say drop them off anymore. Give them the cell phone. Put the Uber app or uh, Lyft on their phone. Put your credit card with your hard-earned money on there. And that's why I'm like, parents, y'all got to, no. Uh, put that on there. Let them get their ride to wherever they want to go. You give them the money to buy the clothes that they want to wear. And then, that's, that's, what, that's what the world does now. Or they say, just let them buy it online. And let them, let them as they buy stuff online, they chat with people they don't know online. And the world is pressuring you as parents to do that. And as parents, what you have to do is you have to step in and say, no, we're not going to do that. That's not the standard of God. That's not the standard of God because guess what? You may think it's okay, but guess what? It doesn't show forth the love of God. It is not representing, you are not laying down your will and representing God's will in the earth. Can God see that? Can God Can God be seen in those skinny jeans? Or do you look like you're advertising for something else? Can God be seen in that tight, tight shirt? No, it can't be. And as parents, you're raising a godly seed. Your children, they're going to... Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. So guess what? As parents, you got to sacrifice that emotion. you got to sacrifice that that insecurity that you have to want your children to love you. Guess what? Let me tell you. Your children, they're going to love you probably about 27. That's when they're going to love you. Right now, you're just feeding them. That's all it is to it. And, and once you get it like that, let me tell you. I think about this. i got about a minute. I think about this, and I think about my life as, as a child. I think about when I started to appreciate my parents, and it wasn't until I got out of the house. Now I had emotion, I had affection for my parents there while I was in their home, but it wasn't until I started seeing the things that they had protected me from, until I started seeing the things that they had put in me, that's when I started to appreciate, and that's when I started to love. Right now, if you've, got, if you've got younger children and teenagers, and even young, and I say teenagers until about 25, your children, this is not the time, this is not your season to have that. You're, you're going gonna to just have to man up or woman up and say, hey, this is how it goes. This is the standard of God. This is God's love. God's love chastens. It rebukes. So guess what we have to do to show forth as parents, as adults, as, as believers, we have to have that same type of love we can't just let anything go on because guess what we're representing him in the earth we're his covenant agents if we sit here and say that what god doesn't accept we know god doesn't accept sin if we say what god doesn't accept is acceptable then we no longer represent him we're given a false representation of god so we have to make sure that we always line up with his standard and i'm going to leave with this that God, He corrects, He rebukes, and He restores. And this is the type of love that should be seen in the family. We should see correction. We should see rebuke. But we should also see restoration. You know, it should never be a point where something happens in the family. Somebody does something. We're going to get into this maybe next week. Something, somebody does something in the family. Somebody falls short. They slip up. They make a mistake. Where we, re- we correct We reprove, but we also restore. Because that's what God's love has done to us. Amen? Amen. You guys can um, be dismissed. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.